This is The Drive with Dale Lally and Matt Williamson on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. SNR. Steelers Nation Radio. I'm Dale Lolly. Welcome back. Welcome us back. That's welcome what we're welcoming back. back. Yeah, right. yeah, absolutely. Uh, Matt and I coming back from vacation, uh, well-earned vacation. <laughs> well, we didn't even plan it that way. It just worked out that, that you and I picked the same week to go on vacation. <laughs> Total which, coincidence, which yeah, is a little odd. Which yeah. was crazy. It was. Uh, I think we're just so mind-melded here. a couple here. of those things over the years. <laughs> <laughs> but we are back and uh, ready to... Uh, Hopefully kick off a season here, kick off uh, training camp coverage. Uh, of course, the Steelers and all NFL teams uh, can report to training camp July 28th, which is right around the corner. It is. Um, it's looking like uh, things are, are happening quickly here or semi-quickly. Uh, the league and, and the uh, uh, NFLPA still negotiating the terms. Hammering things out. They're hammering things out. Yeah. I, you know, I saw a lot of – late last week there was a lot of angst on Twitter – can't believe the NFL is uh, taking this. So uh, you know they're going right up to the last minute with this. They could have come out with their with with COVID protocols, like let's say they did it in July first. Right, right, right. Okay. What would have not changed between July first and now? That's the thing is why everything changed. You, you could be diligent in your preparation, but you don't know what the what you're dealing you with. You don't know the, what parameters with, you're with working with. None of the other right. leagues had come back yet, right? So you didn't know what problems were going to arise. Uh, as we've seen in the last couple of weeks, uh, there have been we've had a more testing for coronavirus. Mm-hmm. That is that has happened almost you know, unilaterally across the country, and B therefore we've seen more positive tests. <laughs> yeah, there's it's a hand so in hand. So those go hand in hand right. because a lot of these people a lot of these new positive tests are asymptomatic. These people were walking around Fine. with coronavirus, right, had no idea. Right, right, right. Yeah. Um, you know, so the, uh, the the entire situation in the last couple of weeks has changed dramatically. Dramatically. So if you'd have yeah. prepped for it, you'd have had to scrap all. They would have had this, everything that they would, forget everything we just talked about. Mm-hmm. We got to hammer out new. The rules new are deal. different. Yeah. And even like when I was at the beach this past week, the families we were with were they're smarter than me about world <laughs> world <laughs> events. We're very encouraged with a possible remedy, you know, a vaccine, too. You know, like that talking was, about vaccines, there's all kinds of stuff happening. So if you did this on Fourth of July weekend, that stuff wasn't existing that yet. So there's a lot more information. Um, I don't know what you think, and, and I haven't dug really into it, but the uh, this whole player movement, the what the hashtag of we want to play. Yeah, I, I kind of like their stance on it, to be honest with you. I mean, J.J. Watt in particular just kind of came out saying, I just want to know what the healthcare situation. You know, Russell Wilson said, I, "My my wife's pregnant. I want to know what I'm doing." You know, those kind of things. I think the players are deserve it of right. and should be getting very soon. But all in all, I don't think this is going to be a, a big battle between players and owners. No, the owners can actually uh, the the July twenty eighth uh, start date is is actually written into the CBA, the new CBA that was so. Oh, okay. All these negotiations. At you already point. signed it. Yeah, you've right, signed the right, deal. Right. You know, if they say you got to report on the 28th, you've got to report on the 28th. And if you don't, fine um, time. And then it's, yeah, that, and that's where today. the right. players are saying, well, hey, you know, what if we have medical 
reasons not to want to come in. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, is there opt out? There, there. You know, is there any salary for players who opt out? Is there? You know, well, how is this going to work? That's what they're, they're hammering legit out right questions, now. Obviously, yeah, right. obviously. You know, like Mark Andrews. I forget what condition he has. Has, has something that makes him more. Maybe he's a diabetic. Actually, has, he's more susceptible to viruses than others. So there yeah. was some speculation. Maybe he won't play or. You know, someone has a, a baby at home that's ill or a wife. And those is, are the things you know. we just don't know. I right, mean, right. you know, we've seen it uh, in the other sports where some guys have said, you know, I'm not going to play. And, and so the opt-out thing is important because, you know, if guys choose not to play, how's that going to affect their contract? Yeah. Does it carry over? Does it count as an accrued year? All mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. The NFL, gap, NFL owners met today, actually, and they made a proposal, um, according to Tom Pelissario, the latest proposal includes just one preseason game rather than two. Um, we've seen no official word of the reduction of the preseason. The players don't want any preseason game. Yeah, I wanted to talk about that with you. I'm curious. The owners initially have wanted two. Mm-hmm. Uh, that would get you one home and one away. I don't know how they – from the looks of it here, the third week of the preseason would take place for what they're proposing, here, which would be August 27th. For the Steelers, that would mean they would play their game – so in New the, York against the Jets. Okay, all the week three schedule yeah. would just go as is. And one, you have three, to four. have some kind of preseason. I, I'm glad you agree on that because that's where I was going with it too. Is if how, the, was any other how year, are the coaching staffs make any kind of decisions on rosters without seeing these guys on and uh, play a game? Yeah, yeah. By the time that whatever that date is, week three of the preseason, how it was originally structured, I can promise you. Coach Tomlin and every position coach is going to be super excited about every snap they get. Yeah. You know, I mean, just think about the Steeler safety room or most of their defense, really. Like, there's roster spots that need to get battled out. I mean, there's a lot of dudes you mentioned before we came on here. You know, they signed a lot of XFL players. Well, those guys are a little more established. They may have a better chance of making an NFL roster than Joe Blow. And I think that was smart this year. Yeah. Like, the Steelers right now on their roster – have 16 rookies on their roster. So very NFL, small, yeah. yeah, that's a very small number. Uh, typically, they'll draft seven. Yeah. And they'll bring in around, you know, 12 to 15 undrafted, undrafted yeah. free agents. So you're looking at, you know, any up 20 to 25 rookies Hit every year. Right, right, right. Uh, this year, they went with 16 because of what happened. I mean, because I can think they kind of knew that they weren't going to have much of an offseason, or at least they projected. They did their first-round pick, too, yeah. obviously. And but they didn't have that. You're 100% yeah, right. Right. And so – you know, NFL teams can rookies can report tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Now you're going to see some teams around the league will have their rookies report that day. But if you've only got 16, you what are you do really doing stuff. with them? Yeah, right, right, right. I, yeah mean, I mean, so you got you know what might have one guy in it or yeah, two two, two, guys two guys wide receivers <laughs> right. and no quarter. They don't have a, they don't have a rookie quarterback on the roster. Quarterback. No so throw the ball what do you, yeah what are you doing with these guys? Mm-hmm. So other than showing them around the facility. I do find it interesting you can do in a day. <laughs> and alarming that Joe Burrow, for example, the first overall pick, has not been to his facility, hasn't been fitted for pads and a helmet yet. <laughs> you know, like And then you're only gonna play one preseason game. You're gonna play one preseason game. The roster stuff aside, and it's good that there's a bigger practice squad because maybe the dude that's on the bubble that sh- that would have made it goes to the practice squad. Well, and that's another thing that they're talking Still about is, is, is actually expanding the practice squads even more so this yeah. year to, so teams don't have to, you know, have a guys on call. Well, you go home for three weeks and, you know, if we have an injury, we'll call you back. You jump on a plane and come back. Well, right? now you got to – are you going to have to 
you know, quarantine that guy for 14 days or seven days or whatever until he can practice. Yeah, that's a good point, right. And if you have these guys in your facility, in your building, you know what they're, you know, you have a much better idea no, of how they're day. quarantined. Right, right, right. You know, they're, 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 you know you, you're testing them every day as opposed to having them sitting and, you know, you know, flying back to, uh, let's say, uh, Wherever, Nebraska. Right. And, yeah, exactly. and then, you know. Who knows what they're doing. Yeah, so. Or they go yeah. and work out for other teams in the meantime. Right, yeah. I mean, I mean those yeah. things exist. The more know? flights that you, especially the more commercial flights that you take, which, you know, for me this year, I'm, I'm looking at how the Steelers' schedule is going to break down. I'm, I'm driving to as many games as I can. No, I would imagine, sure. You know, assuming that we're going to be allowed in the building. I mean. <laughs> you can actually go, sure. Um, back to the practice squad thing real quick. Even pre-COVID, I was happy that they were expanding. I was all for that. I think it'll help the league long-term particularly with its development of, you know, prospect offensive linemen, quarterbacks can maybe hang on a year or two or not get thrown into the mix a year or two too early, you know, brought along slowly and better. Um, But now if they're even considering bumping it more, I'm certainly in, in favor of that. And the thing I wanted to mention to you too, though, was the idea of not having any preseason. Like, okay, I mean, in most years, that would be a problem with roster building and whatnot. But this year, game day is going to be different. You know, like, where do the refs stand? How do they do replay? How do I get to and from the, the facility? Where Are the lockers going to be set up the same way for home and away? Like, I think they need a test run of what a game day at the NFL level looks like. And that's the other part of the equation. Yeah. I mean, you can't just go into week one and say, okay, we're just going to do this. And, and These are the rules. We've never done it before. Expect everything guys. to go sure. off without a hitch. I mean, that's, you know, you're talking about 16 different stadiums across the country. Yeah. That, I mean, I, we saw it last year uh, when the Steelers played the Chargers. And that was, I think, if I remember correctly, the Chargers had played maybe two or three uh, games at that soccer stadium to that point. Oh, right. Okay. I walked around different every building. Right. Yeah. I remember we walked in we walked around that entire building stadium one and a half times and stopped and asked several security people, "Hey, where's the media entrance?" Really? Nobody <laughs> knew where it was at. And finally, we just picked an entrance and, and walked up to it and they basically just let us didn't check our bags, just let us right, just really let us right through. Right. You know, we showed wow. them our press pass and I'm like, "We got through it." I'm like, "That was way too easy." That was way too yeah. and too hard. It and too be a yeah, sign, right? and too hard. <laughs> right. yeah. To to this, I still don't know where the media entrance is at on that place. <laughs> I have no idea. You went in a door and eventually we got just, there. We just yeah. got in the stadium. I didn't care how we got into the stadium at that point. I'd walked in. Not that it's a huge stadium, but we still walked the whole way around it. Right, right. You got a job to do. You want to get set up. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. Um, but that, that's a small example. I mean, that's yeah. a media example. Let you know. Let alone game day is a big operation from absolutely the pretzels and beer to the field to the transportation. And you know if you're if you're talking about you know having to restrict people's movements inside the stadiums Mm -hmm. now as well, you know now you've added an entirely new dynamic dynamic to the whole situation. That's what I mean. Yeah. They need to have a test run. I mean, you can't accidentally walk in and, and all of a sudden you're face-to-face with a player. They don't want that. They don't want that. You know, so... And it'd be nice, even to your point to start, to the owner's point, I guess, maybe if every if there was two and everybody could have a home in and away, because, you know, Heinz Field's not the same as that soccer stadium. Absolutely not, or right, yeah. Stadium or whatever, you know. Um, you know, it, you see it, like, for example, um, DK Pittsburgh Sports, we tried... We were going to go to the the hockey playoffs in Toronto. Yeah, last I talked to you, you guys were doing that, right? So we sent Dave Molinari, who's our our main hockey writer, drove to Buffalo, 
last Friday. Okay. And was all set to, to go across and quarantine for two weeks. You said they'd like sit in a hotel. They had for this. Two they weeks. had to quarantine in a hotel for two weeks. And if you left the hotel room, I, as I found out, they could fine you up to seventy five thousand dollars. I think it was. Wow. Canadian, but still. So I mean, even like meals, like yeah, they were had to they be... were tracking every they, they put they tracked you. Um, you had to order in. I mean, you couldn't leave that. They wouldn't room. let him across the border because they said he was a non-essential worker. Oh wow! So he drove back, and uh, my boss, Dayan Kavakovic, mm-hmm. said, "Well, I'm going to try to do it myself." So he drove up Saturday. He had all kinds of paperwork and and yeah. walked everything, you know, saying exactly who he was, to what he was there the to border. do. The cross, mean, like just he's... across the yeah, border. Yeah, yeah. He was willing to do it and just to go cover the, you know, because they're going to play until October. No, yeah, it's a big deal. I mean, so sure, when you're there, you're, the and, you're there, you're there. Right. You're, if you're I'm a subscriber in. to your site, I want you guys to be right. there and tell me what's going on. And right. He couldn't get across the border because, wow. as it turns out, the NHL didn't make any preparations for reporters across the border. So they didn't never dawned on them. Never dawned on them. Which is horrible, obviously. They should have, somebody <laughs> probably should have got fired for that. And you, they weren't the only two trying to do that, obviously. No. The guy from Chicago and yeah. LA and everybody did too. But that's a great example of there's going to be things, things we didn't that think will of. will happen, yeah. Right, on game day and whatnot that we didn't figure. You know, parking's going to be different. Is the uh, police escort going to be the same? Is the away team going to be late? Are you going to need more you know? buses? Right. Uh, yeah, exactly. You things know, things like that. Like that, right. that, exactly. that, you know, how are the, how is, how is lockdown going to work at team hotels? Mm-hmm. You know, game meals. I'm going to think about every step of the way. And that, that's just the team, let alone, you know, the refs on game day and all the things throughout the course of the game. And do they have to wear shields. And I mean, yeah. you got to do it. And again, these are things that the players kind of want to know as well. Yeah. Ahead of time, you know, we, they don't want to go to head, you know, go off to camp and then all of a sudden find out, well, here's how we're going to do this and this is how we're going to do this on game day. And we're like, wait a second, that's not what we, we, no. we don't want to agree to that. And coaches in particular, like Belichick's the best example. He wants to know every loophole in the in the rule book. He wants to know exactly how things go. And, and every coach is basically wired that way. Don't spring something on me in the second quarter that we didn't talk about or we haven't done before. Yeah, you know, I actually had that happen to me one time. I was I was coaching a, a baseball all star team, mm-hmm. and we were playing in a in a sanctioned pony tournament. Which, if you won the tournament, you moved on to the next level. Okay, uh, to eventually try to play into the World Series. And we won our first game. We won our second game. We're playing our third game to play into the championship round. And the loser of that game then got knocked into the loser's bracket and had to win another game to get back into, you know, to get back no, into like the finals. So it's double elimination. So it's double that, elimination. Yeah. We're midway through the game. We're winning the game. It's like three to two at that point. And the other team pulled their pitcher. You know, that's weird. You know, they're, these guys he's are one both, of the better guys. I'm but sure, yeah, right? he's their best guy. They're, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm kind of surprised they're pulling him. And I left mine in, not knowing that midway through the game, they had changed the rules to the tournament. <laughs> We were so, the, like the championship game was supposed to be the next day. I was okay with burning my pitcher mm-hmm. to, get, to get there. To get there, mm-hmm. I said we'll figure out tomorrow. Tomorrow, yeah, just give me the win today. Yeah, and if he, if he pitched more than uh, I think it was I can't remember more than four innings, he couldn't pitch again until Monday. So he was banned. Anyway. He was like, he yeah, was he illegal, was going to be right. he was going to be burned, and and so I one of the parents comes over and says, hey they they made they changed the rules that the you know this team isn't going to have to play tomorrow or they don't they don't have to play two games tomorrow they play. And I'm like, they're the loser of this game. Doesn't have to play two games to, to get. I'm like, wait a second, how's what's up with that? That's yeah. not what the rules. That's not what the tournament bracket said. Yeah, and right, right. So I went over and complained, and they they didn't care. <laughs> they didn't um, care one bit. I'm sure. Right. 
But I would I would have I would have done things differently had I known that was going to be the case. Of course, and that's obviously an extreme example. They're not going to change rules in the middle of an NFL game, but things are going to be different. Yeah, things from, need to be known ahead of time. Yeah, from the second that away team leaves their facility to the second they get home, there's going to be a lot of differences, including the 60 minutes of play in between. So, I'm glad that they have won. Two maybe even would have been better, to, the more I think about it. But at least having one is crazy not to. And I like the fact that it is week three, which gives you two weeks to work out any kinks that you screwed up during that you know, one preseason game. Yeah. Uh, anyways, we're going to take a break. Right. When we come back, I just got an email here, Matt. Hmm. The NFL Network's Top 100 Players of 2020 premieres Sunday at 8 o'clock. Does it? I wonder okay. how many Steelers will be on that one. Several. We'll talk about that All when right, we come back. All right, let's do it. Let's do that right after this. He is Matt Williamson. I'm Dale Lally. You're listening to The Drive on Steelers Nation Radio. You're tuned to The Drive on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. Steelers Nation Radio. I'm Dale Lully. I'm here with Matt Williamson. If you're listening to The Drive, we're back from vacation. We're trying to get back into the swing of things here. Today. A little rusty, to be honest. Take a week you. off, and it's just like, it's like yep. you know, this isn't like riding a bike, apparently. No, I mean, I, <laughs> I I didn't do much. I went to Hilton Head. Didn't do a lot. We, we socially distanced. We met two families. I was in the pool a ton. I was under the sun a lot. A lot of beers during the day, takeout, that kind of stuff. But then I drove 12 hours straight the whole way home, and since then I've been a little that'll do it hungover a little. Yeah, you know, I, 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 like midnight uh, Saturday night. We just I, went to Lake Erie, so it was only yeah, a, right. you know, like a three-hour drive um, from it's a my fun house. Area, though. And uh, you know, did did a little fishing charter. Uh, mm. The place we were staying at, we, we had a little uh, our own place on the beach. Nice. And uh, it had, uh, I mean, we had we had a uh, kayak. They had a one of those little paddle boats. They had a mm-hmm. paddle paddle board that you could take out into the. Oh wow! So know, that was all available to you. That was guys all available. We didn't wanted. have to go anywhere. That's cool. Yeah. So it was nice. Um, you know, we I go think, to Erie every year. I think the fam's going without me during the training camp. Good for them. Yeah. So, <laughs> there you have it. Um, they did parasailing though. Oh, they were doing. Cool. There were people. There were people doing that. Um, uh, actually, uh, they weren't doing parasailing. They were doing. Uh, what's the word? You do it on the boards with the sa- with the parachutes. Mm. Okay. I don't know what it's called. I don't know what it's called, what it's called but there was a right. storm there the first day that we got. We left last two Saturdays ago, mm-hmm. and it rained here. It rained all day long. Oh, okay. So we got there, and there were people out on the bay where we were staying. They were doing this thing, and they were, I mean, literally, they're getting ripped up into the air on these boards with the, with the parachutes on. I'm like, these people are nuts. Wow. It's just crazy. That's the first I'd seen it, but this one, you don't even have to get wet. Like, you're just on the back of a boat on the ocean. They send you up easily, gently if you want. I mean, they dip you down because yeah. it's one of their little things. But they were like 500 feet in the air, just cruising around. I mean, it yeah. wasn't for I, me. I have no desire to that do that. That wasn't for no. me, yeah. No, none at all. Uh, anyways, as I mentioned before the break, um, NFL uh, Network will come out with its top 100 players mm-hmm. of uh, the 2020 season. Uh, that will that will air on Sunday. Uh, I didn't realize it was that soon. Yeah, and um, that's, those are voted on by the players. 
So oftentimes much more realistic than a lot of these. Like, yeah. Like the big news last week, everybody's mad about Madden rank, rank ratings. And stuff. Are they? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've heard that. I ignored yeah. it, to be honest. I mean, I, I think if, if memory serves, I think T.J. Watt and, and uh, Minka Fitzpatrick were both like, they were like 87 and 86 ratings on there, which okay. is, is kind of nuts. But, yeah, sure. Uh, but who cares? Um, but the NFL Top 100, it's more of a big deal, I think. It is. And I'm sitting here with my little calculator on my phone just to – because I always like to do this with the Top 100 conversation. Is There's 55 roster spots times 32. So that's 1,760 NFL players at any given time. So the top 100, what do I do? Do I divide that by 100? 100 divided by... The other way around. Yeah. Yeah, other way around then, Matt. 100 divided <laughs> by 1760. So that's 5.6%. So the top, basically the top 5% of yeah, the league. Yeah, of the league. Yeah. So it's That's much the elite player. Like, even if you're realize. in the 90s, you're still considered an elite player. Exactly, exactly. You know, like... A lot of people just look at the list and be like, how'd you leave Minka or whoever? You know, play your X off. Well, the top, only 5% of the league makes it, and they're not going to – they tend to lean five quarterbacks more than they probably should have. Well, the, the, the other part of that, okay, so if yeah. it's 5% of the league and you've got uh, just over 50 players on the roster, essentially each team should be represented by two, two-and-a-half players. Right. So if you have three, you're above the curve. Right. You know what if I mean? If you have four or five – you must be a pretty good team. Right, right. That's a good way of putting it, and I hadn't thought of that. And I was thinking more positionally, like, obviously, even though the five out of 11 players on offense are offensive linemen, half of this list isn't offensive linemen. Right, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, the quarterbacks are heavier, and, you know. Yeah. So it, it's quite the honor. I mean, so not being on there is not like, boy, they hate him, or he's snubbed, you know. So for the Steelers, I'm thinking Cam Hayward's got to be in the top 100. I think he has to be. I think he, he has to, he's probably top 20. Ish, I, I think he's 25 in the conversation yeah. right this second as the second best interior defensive player in the league. I think so as well. And if Donald it, stands alone. typically that will get you into the top, at least the top twenty-five. Right. I like mean, Don, Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald may be number one. Yeah, I have no problem with that. Yeah. You know, I mean, I think he's if a, he's not number one, he's definitely in the top five. I'm sure Mahomes is number one, but yeah. Donald has just as good a case, frankly. So if I mean, Chris Jones might be in that conversation. I mean, just I was, guys coming off great years. I saw years. ESPN, uh, Jeremy Fowler, and we talked about this one before. Oh, yeah, all before, those Yeah, the out. rankings that were going on. And I believe they that the NFL, the general managers they talked to, I think they had Chris Jones number two. But they're, they're hmm. uh, he, was, he was somewhere up there. And I think he – I didn't look at it. I was, again, I was on vacation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just uh, I, but I did see what, what he wrote about – Chris Jones, and it said, you know, he'll have plays where he looks like he's just dominant, and mm-hmm. then he'll take a quarter off. Yeah, I think him and Cam are very opposite that way. Absolutely, in yeah. Terms of like, you don't ever see Cam Hayward take right. a play off. But I think Jones was blessed with more ability. Yeah. I mean, he's a special, special player that way. Um, Fletcher Cox is usually that guy. Coming off a, Coming sm- off a little not bit a great of a season. Yeah. Right, right. And what's interesting about the top 100, and you said something along the lines of, so it should be accurate, and, it, and I agree with you because – Nobody knows players like players. But what's weird about it is if you're, I don't know, um, Andrew Whitworth, you never geared up against half the other edge guys in the league. Right. You only watch the dudes on your schedule and you know your teammates and you know reputations. You know the people in your division better than, than you do the guys absolutely you know, outside your division. Right. You know, if you, you may, like, again, we've seen Aaron Rodgers. 
uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers has been in the league now, what, since 2005? It was my year with the Browns. That was Ben's rookie year yeah. is when he came in, right? Um, and the Steelers have played the Packers, what, three or four times in that time mm-hmm. period? And we've seen Aaron Rodgers play in two of those games. Right. That's a good point. Because so, guys get hurt. I mean, they, you know, you if you so if you're playing a cross conference team and that star player is hurt that game, you, you don't see him. For four now years, maybe right? you saw him on tape preparing for the game, right? But if you know he's not playing, you're not going to look qu- quite as closely at him, right? I mean, like Vince Williams might not have voted for Aaron Rodgers because I haven't watched him in a hundred years or whatever. You yeah. know what I mean? Just, I never prepped. We don't have to. We haven't, we haven't played. Is, we haven't played him the last couple of years. I don't. Right. You know, maybe you watched him on Monday Night Football like you and I. Or did one the other time, part yeah. of the equation is. You haven't seen him in a couple of years. The last time you saw him, well, he was really good. Right, and he's you falling know. off a cliff. And he's not that guy anymore. There's no great way of doing these lists, is my point. Yeah. You know, that I do think player vote is great, and I like that they interview some of the players. Boy, when I went against him, he was a lot better than I thought. Or, you know, boy, he's gotten so much better. Or, you know, those type of things. I'm also sure they vote for their friends. <laughs> oh, there's no doubt. Yeah. Yeah. I went to college sure. with this guy. He's my boy. Right, right. Or I played a little more recognition. I played against this guy in high school, you know. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're <laughs> or we went to the same high school. Exactly. That happens a lot. Exactly. Yeah. But I'd be shocked. Like, where if Cam was 22, would you be like, that's eh, a little low? Or, you know, where's the, no, the line of demarcation? I, I, I think anywhere in the top 20-ish is, is... I think that's a lot of respect. Top 25-ish like is something. Yeah. I mean, that's... Again, if you're one of the top 25 players in the league... right. And you figured most of the time six of those guys are quarterbacks. Right. Exactly. The, They're always yeah. going to be right. three or four in the top ten for You're sure. You're probably going to be considered one of, I don't know, one of the top five defensive players in the league. Yeah, I would think. Somewhere yeah, in, that, in that neighborhood. Somewhere right. in that neighborhood. Because usually it, it tend, trends towards the offensive mm-hmm. skill players a lot of times. And we just said 5% of the league is on this list, period. Well, if a quarter of that's the top twenty-five, I mean, you're in the top one and a half yeah. percent or whatever. And that, that's, I, that's, I, th- that's I really think with the way he's played the last couple of years, that's where mm-hmm. he is. I also think, and this shouldn't matter, but it kind of should too. You know, he has great respect around the league. I don't think he has enemies. I don't think people dislike. Yeah. I think that people look at him and be like, "I want that guy on my team. I want to follow yeah. him." You know. Um, I Do think, you think he's the highest stealer. He, I think. Uh, it's I not think easy. He, I think he should be. I do too. Especially for this type of award, yeah, you know, where maybe a year from now TJ passes right. him or Minka passes. Him. I mean, TJ TJ Watt, I think is is a more. I, I think he has more. He, he hasn't reached his potential yet. Agreed. He, he's still there's still more there, but and I, I think if vote, he gets there, I think TJ was not that I'm saying he should have won the award. But I think TJ was more deserving of defensive MVP last year. Than absolutely. Cam. You know what I mean? Yeah. He was in the running. Yeah. So. Um, I think I think he's definitely in the top thirty to thirty-five. I would think so too. Yeah. I would think so. Um, when we looked at the other list that came out, I can't remember who had the top. I think it was ESPN's top one hundred list earlier this mm-hmm. year. Um, might have been Pete Prisco's. It was Pete Prisco's. Yeah, it was. It was it Pete was. Prisco's on CBS Sports, ago, right. and he left Minka Fitzpatrick out of it. Yeah, I don't know where Minka fits into this. He'd be sort of a tough one. Because he's again, Steeler fans are are very excited about Minka Fitzpatrick, and for very good reason. Probably so, of course. He's also only played in the league for two years. <laughs> good point. <laughs> and only came to the Steelers not mid-season, but during the season. During the season, yeah. The last month or so didn't make a ton of big plays. So I mean, if I'm, if you're being as honest as you can, I mean, he'd be in my top 100. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. And he'd be amongst the top three or four safeties. But if you're my argument against him would be like, well, he had a stretch of 10 really, really good games. 
okay, you know, so did Kirk Cousins at one point. You know, like, <laughs> other people have done that. You know, it's, well, it's that, This is where we'll find out exactly what kind um, – because what we saw, and I asked him about this when we, had, we talked to him in the offseason, was if he noticed teams shying away from him mm-hmm. at, after about midway through the season – and he said, absolutely. I'm sorry, they, they answered so good. I think yeah. if teams were shying away from him, they, they were not throwing the ball in his direction, you would think that those teams, those offensive players, would probably vote for him as, mm-hmm. uh, you know, for something like this. We've said this over and over. I mean, I think teams did everything possible not to turn the ball over against Steelers yeah. late in the year. But even taking a step further, I'm sure the offensive staffs, after studying the Steeler D, told their quarterback and game-planned routes according to – Let's not go there. Let's not test this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right, right. This is a good way to not turn the ball over. <laughs> right. What did you say? There was like, on average, if every team has the same amount, you get like two and a half, something two, like two that. Two, two and a half, somewhere yeah. in that range, yeah. So I think that, I don't know if the Steelers will have an offensive guy, though. Like, if Ben was on there, I wouldn't be shocked at all. And frankly, he is as good a case, in my opinion, as Rodgers or Brady. Because I didn't think yeah. one of those guys had a great year either. But They'll be on it, and they have lifetime achievement awards going sure. for them, and, and that's yeah. warranted. If he gets on there, he's going to be. It's going to be very low. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think Juju makes it. I think he was on there last year. He was on there last year. I don't think he makes it this year. James Conner doesn't make it this nah, year. I give the Castro. The Castro's got a chance. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, how many guards are they going to take? I'm sure the, Nelson and Martin will be on yeah. there. Are they going to take five guards? If so, then he's pretty yeah. much a lot. Do any other defenders make it on there for the Steelers? I don't think. Yeah, it's going to – I mean, it's tough. I mean – It's tough, right. If – you know, you could see – I don't know how many cornerbacks on that list. Seven or eight? Seven or eight, yeah. Yeah, right. So if you don't make it as a cornerback, that doesn't mean you stink. No. It just means you weren't one of the top seven or eight guys. I mean, we went over many lists this offseason from several outlets, Pro Football Focus, ESPN. The Fowler list was one of them that had both Nelson and Hayden – on their list, they weren't top five guys, but they were seven, twelve in that neighborhood. It'll take. I mean, that's awesome. Yeah, and the <laughs> fact right, that you have right. two of them. Right, right. That's right. the you know that's the other key part of that. Um, you know, Devin Bush is still too young to make that list. I yeah. I, I don't think he's quite there yet. No. Um, he could be next year. I, it's funny though. I, I read all the Fowler ones. You know, and Bush was an honorable mention for linebackers. And yeah. basically, the quote was. I just wanted to put his name on there because he's going to be there next. He's year. going to be there yeah, next yeah. year, right? Is the top. The other one, the other one, it was interesting. Um, Bud Dupree made the Prisco list. Did he? Okay. Yeah, uh, he made the Prisco list, and Minka Fitzpatrick did not. Mm. Uh, does he make this list? I don't think. You know, like because we were talking TJ, I was just thinking, man, if he were, I, I think he's going to be on the top hundred. But if he were sixty, and there were eight edge guys ahead of him. I could come up with eight names that aren't crazy talk. You know, Bosa, Bosa, Garrett, you know, yeah. Miller, Mack. I mean, that's five off the top of my head, right. and then we hardly scratch Well, that's, the a, you know, that's one thing we haven't talked about. And we'll talk about this in the next segment. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the designation between edge rusher and outside linebacker yeah. and defensive end and how it's just all one big it's a mess. mess. But there's a lot of good edge dudes. There's still some guys, like Everson Griffin still isn't signed yet. Still unsigned, clowny, and right. There's some guys out there that there have are. not signed yet. That's kind of crazy. I was looking at that list last night. I'm like, wow. It is a pretty good. Group. I mean, there's there's still I mean, there's still five or six really good veteran players out there that could help. Yeah. a team. There might be more to that than just the COVID situation. You know, I mean, Newton was a big one, obviously it fell, but uh, or some of these guys. Yeah. everybody Devontae focused on Freeman. the quarterbacks that hadn't signed mm-hmm. anywhere yet, but there's still good football there's players a, that are could, out there. You could put a, a pretty good starting twenty-two out there of just not 
sign guys right now. Yeah. I mean, maybe not a quarterback, but, you know, Devontae Freeman. And, all right. But anyways, that, uh, that top 100 list will come out uh, later later uh, this week on Sunday. I expect there will be at least three Steelers on there, maybe four. We'll see. Mm-hmm. Uh, wouldn't sh- I mean, I know we don't have a ton of time in this segment, but, like, if we get together a year from now, it wouldn't shock me if I said, oh, Juju's back, or Deontay's making a push, yeah. or Bush. I'm, I'm thinking guys that could be – it could be in their future. Yeah. Maybe Steven Nelson has another year like he had yeah. last year and he gets more picks this year and, yeah. and gets more noticed uh, that Certainly way. Certainly you want Ben to be back on Absolutely, it, you know? yeah. yeah. So it's going to be interesting to see. Uh, obviously, the, the Steelers are getting a Maybe lot of – to it. To it could be, yeah. Mm-hmm. You can definitely see to it on there as well. He is Matt Williamson. I'm Dale Lally. You're listening to The Drive here on Steelers Nation Radio. We're going to take a break. We'll be back right after this. You're tuned to The Drive on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. Steelers Nation Radio. I'm Dale Lally here with Matt Lynchon. And uh, Matt, one of the uh, the big stories of last week uh, involved uh, several players, including uh, Bud Dupree. Uh, we saw Matthew Judon do this earlier mm-hmm. in the pre yep. er, earlier in the off season, and then we saw, also saw um, Shaq Barrett from Tampa Bay file grievances against their teams because of their franchise tag designations, designated them as outside linebackers. Yeah. Uh, which I believe at the number the numbers at like fifteen point two million dollars for their franchise tag, um, as ju- opposed to defensive end. As opposed to defensive right, end, right. which is just over seventeen million dollars. Sure. So there's about a two million dollar difference there, um, and there seemed to be a lot of angst among Steeler fans. Like, oh, how could he do this? Why would he? You know. <laughs> I know. I know. Um, the Steelers played the nickel defense fifty one percent of the time last year. Okay. When the Steelers are in their nickel defense. Bud Dupree and T.J. Watt played defensive end positions, and often with their hand on the ground. With their I hands mean, on right. the ground, they're not, not standing up. Yeah, right, right. Uh, sometimes they are standing up, but so is everybody else in the defense. You'll see everybody kind of muddling around. Mm-hmm. With the only guy on the field who has his hand down would be Cam Hayward, or whoever's in there is the yeah, good point. you know three hundred um, pounder guys. Yeah, right. But often it looks like a strict four-man front. Absolutely, like, it looks like, like, like a, when you yeah, right. and if you look around the league. Um, the most popular defense in the league right now is the nickel defense. Sure, sure. Uh, I, th- I think you sent me the Pro Football Outsiders mm-hmm. uh, thing the other day. The I, I was looking out, at the right. Almanac last night, and I, I looked at the breakdown across the league for the number, percentage of, played, of, of snaps played in the nickel defense as opposed to their base, as opposed to sure. the, the dime. And again, and for a lot most of more play, play more dime than they do, yeah. quote, base. So for more, uh, again, it was more than 50% of snaps across the league were in a nickel defense. Five defensive backs on the field, right. Yeah. And it made me think back, you know, uh, a few years ago when Khalil Mack made the all-pro team as both an edge or an outside linebacker and a defensive end. Right. Does the league need to do something about these designations? Like, I think so. You, you can de- Like for the Steelers, for example, a couple of years ago, changed the designation on Cam Hayward. He had always been considered a defensive end. 
Right. For years. That's what their three, the, their three, four, the three, four ends right. were defensive they didn't have ends. Defensive tackles on their roster. To help him make the Pro Bowl, make the All Pro teams, they changed his designation to defensive tackle, which is what he does. That's what he does. He lines yeah. up on the interior of the D line. That's what he right. does the majority of the time. Yet, at the same time, they didn't make that change in designation for Stefan Tuitt. They have the oh, same job. They, yeah, they do. They have the exact same They thing, have the right? exact same job. Yeah. Um, so. People getting mad at, at 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 Bud Dupree for you know for trying to get another you know a little extra money out of this. Frankly, I think he's deserving of it. I mean, yeah, I think he's, he's closer to a defensive end than an outside. He dropped nine percent of the time last year. Nine, did you say? Nine percent. Yeah, which is higher than Miles Garrett or the Bosa brothers right. or four three quote defensive ends. But uh, this actually actually it might even me. been less. It might have been like. Just under eight percent. I think yeah. Watt dropped dropped nine percent last year. I mean, those guys are those guys are rushing passers, the passer, and they're good at it. Yeah, and, and, and they're the stopping the run. They're playing. They're defensive ends. They're ends. Yeah. yeah, they're ends in the line of scrimmage on the defensive side of the ball. That's a defensive end. They don't back the line. They're not linebackers. <laughs> like that even bothered me in the LeBeau era, or you know, Joel Steed and Lloyd and Green and those guys. But I mean, it's a misnomer to me to even call those old-school 80s, 90s Steelers defenses 3-4s. I mean, they were closer to a 5-2 than they were a 3-4. Yeah. They're, they're not linebackers. They were edge players then. And we've interviewed Jason Gilden and a lot of those guys, and uh, I, it absolutely needs to be noted that Gilden and company dropped a lot more than 9%. You know, they, they dropped a lot, maybe 40%, 50%. And they were great sack artists then. Imagine if they had to, if they dropped one percent, how many more sacks they would have got? They just got that many more opportunities. But that being said, their primary job was when outside run came their way, force the ball inside, like you know, you're a contained player, or beat tackles on their outside shoulder or through them as a pass rusher. Play on the edge of the defensive line. Their ends on a defensive front. I mean, that was much more of a five-two than a three-four, and calling them linebackers is really a misnomer from the start. So that's bothered me my whole life, to be honest with you. But who cares? It's small potatoes. Um, but in reality, those guys. I mean, I feel like the the league almost needs to say, okay, you're either a interior D lineman an edge, or a linebacker. Yeah. And the Steelers would have Bud and Watt as edges. Everyone heavier than them would be interior D linemen. Bush, Vince, Barron types are all linebackers. You know, because they align all over the place, too. Like, I don't care what an outside linebacker is versus an inside linebacker. You're either a linebacker or you're an edge or you're an interior D lineman. And that's how they should do all their awards. That's how they should do, you know, franchise tags. And I remember one of the first times I heard this, was Jimmy Graham with the Saints. You know, like if you go, that was a ways back. He's been on three teams since then or whatever. But they called, they franchised him as a tight end, which on the surface, everyone's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You go to the Pro Bowl as a tight end, you go to the tight end meeting room. And his logic was, I blocked like 3% of the time. I'm just a six foot six wide receiver. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, right. I don't block anybody, I don't line up in line. That's not what I do at all. I want to be, he didn't win, but he wanted to be franchised <laughs> as a wideout. Yeah, I mean that's a that's a tougher sell. It is because you do do some blocking, 
And you walk in the tight end room. And you're in day. a tight yeah. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> you know, right. And to that point, I mean, Dupree and Watt go to the linebacker room, the outside line. The outside There's linebacker. The outside line. They don't do the same job as Devin Bush. At all. Yeah. At all. Like, they shouldn't fight Levante David for an all-pro spot. <laughs> no. You know, Khalil Mack uh, versus and Levante that was David. one of the, We talked about it when I was doing my, my ballot for the all-decade team. It's hard, for, right. Pro, uh, Where do you put Von Miller? And, you know. Yeah, I mean, how do you, you know, what was Terrell Suggs? Mm-hmm. You know, this is all... Um, it, I mean, it, Suggs is more like Elsie Greenwood than he it's is all very muddled. David. It's it's all very muddled. Yeah, but I think it's it's not that hard to say you're one of these three things in the defensive front seven. You're a linebacker, you're an edge, or you're an interior D lineman. So you have nose tackles, three technique types, and Cam Hayward types, but okay. You know, I mean, if you want to call a guy nose too, I mean, that makes sense, but he's a defensive tackle in terms of franchise tagging them or Pro Bowls and things like that. It, it, the system's just kind of broke. Yeah, so I, I think... And while we're at it, they, let's stop calling it base, too. Like, It's I not de- base. It's not base. It's I not wish base. defense would do something. Like, on offense, it's 21 personnel, it's 22 personnel, it's 10 personnel. You know, we should just do number of defensive backs and then number of linebackers or something. Like, it's 51 personnel. That's five defensive backs and one linebacker, you know, or yeah. 61 personnel. I mean, most, most teams now, their their base is either a 4-2-6 mm-hmm. um, or a 4-3-5. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's one of the two mm-hmm. because that's what they're in the majority of the time. Right. Well, 4-3-5 equals 12. Oh, yeah. Right. <laughs> Four, four Basically two, like a 4-2-5. 4-2-5, yeah. 4-2-5. Right, right, right. I, I can't count. <laughs> there is some discrepancy of... Well, what is the Dion Buchanan? You know, there's going to be some over Derwin James. You know, he plays. He's on the second level a lot. Is he a linebacker? Is he a safety? I mean, there, none of these are going to be a perfect formula. Some guys are in between. Well, and, and it goes back to what Mike Tomlin talks a lot about when he talk. He, you hear him say this word, this term a lot: positionless football. Exactly. Exactly. Um, that's the. That's what everything is about. Positionless. Yeah. You want guys who can who, who are multiple can play multiple positions for you Absolutely. because it makes your defense more dangerous. What are you in? And that's why the Steelers play the three four. Those guys don't typically Dupree and Watt don't typically drop when they're in the no. nickel, when they're in a nickel defense, but they can. But they can. Yeah. At least it, you're not sure. You might need to check the flat, or maybe Buds falls into. Um, a short zone and takes away an inside split slant that you know, the quarterback at least has to be aware. That of was it. one of the, like one of the things that made uh, the the zone blitz defense so unpredictable. Was you'd see like the nose tackle would drop out. Yeah, yeah. Nobody yeah. expected that. You sure, know, sure. And you <laughs> yeah. don't want to do it every play. You, know, you don't want Joel Steed running. You, with, yeah, it know, may right. happen twice a game, mm-hmm. but the quarterback's not expecting it. All of a sudden, here's this big body taking away the slant. Right. Or there's a crosser supposed to be there, and that's your hot route, and you hit a 300 pound nose tackle <laughs> in the face with it. He doesn't catch it, but you didn't know that big guy but was you, there. Yeah. Right. Now he's looking for it the rest. Of, like he's he's looking for that. Yeah. Every time. And the beauty of some of that too is, if you can get that quarterback to to double clutch. Not even throw the interception or hit the nose tackle in the face, but I I thought it was there. I got to pull it back, and now that's an extra step for Porter to get home. Or now I now I've I've muddied things up. That tiny little bit of confusion and such a timing based thing. And from what I understand, a lot of that zone blitz started to combat the West Coast offense. Absolutely, that's exactly all based on. You know, get it out now. Three, my back foot hits on a three-step drop. His route's going to tie him up exactly with it. 
I know this defender's not going to be in this spot, so how can I create a way that there is a defender in that spot or kill the timing a little bit? Yeah, so that's exactly what that what that mm-hmm. uh, defense was designed for, and it does a great job of that. Yeah, right, right, you absolutely. Um, so that's when all this kind of started. More, I mean, the Steelers have used the three four defense since 1983. Mm-hmm. Um, they've they've been with it for a long time, but it's kind of morphed over the years. It's not a three four anymore. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Greg I mean. Lloyd, you know, would drop into coverage quite a bit. Right. Um, you know, that that was, you know, in fact, there were years when, when they talked about moving him to inside linebacker because, he, you know, we saw Chad Brown move from inside linebacker mm-hmm. to outside linebacker. Came in. Yeah. That's a, not everyone. Not, I mean, you're a pretty talented guy. You're not playing off, Devin but... Bush at outside linebacker in uh, 3-4 oh, defense. Absolutely not. And yeah. Bud's not playing, yeah. you know. Right. You're not asking <laughs> Bud to play inside. Vince no. Williams can play outside in a pinch, but that's not ideal for him. Exactly. Exactly. You know, just because he has some pass rush skills doesn't mean he wants to, you want him taking on an offensive tackle mm-hmm. on a regular basis. And I still get asked this by local hosts and, you know, talking Steelers and stuff. You know, boy, but does he fit a 3-4 or does he fit a 4-3? Inside that Steeler building, I don't. That's down the list uh, when they're acquiring players or you know putting draft ranks on people. Like I often use the Warren Sapp example. Like if Sapp would have fallen to the Steelers, would they have taken him? I don't think back then. Like, Not I don't back think, then. I don't think they would have. It wasn't what they wanted. Like Aaron even, Donald would have been a different. They probably wouldn't want him either. I mean, not I, they don't want him. It's just he's Mike not Tomlin. Talk, I remember for. they talked about him when, when he came in into the league, and Mike Tomlin's I'm sure like they adored him. We we could figure out ways to use him. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, now he may have been playing nose tackle in this defense. Mm-hmm. Oh, he probably would have. Yeah, which it may be, it may not be ideal for him. He would have certainly been a different kind of nose tackle than Casey Hampton. Oh, for sure, vastly. But and I've heard Tomlin say this a lot too that. Transcendent players, it doesn't matter. It doesn't you know, like, matter. You've, we'll take Joe Green. Yeah. We'll take Joe. Yeah. You know, we'll take these guys and figure it out from there. And that's good coaching. But I remember this example too. Like that year, I was with the Browns. We were. I've, I've talked about this a lot. We were a Butch Davis, the U, strict four three. You know, as strict as you could be. And then he gets fired halfway through the season, and we have to scrap those notes basically as scouts, and we go to a Romeo Steelers Patriots like. Base four three, looking for Will Forks and Seymour's and Aaron Smiths and all that. So I showed all my notes, and there was a guy named Patterson, I think, who ended up being a really early from USC. From USC, yeah, he was very, very young, undersized. 19, 19 years old. Yeah, when he came in. Yeah. yeah, and he was like a bowling ball upfield guy, had all this upfield potential, and we really liked him for the Butch scheme as a Donald three yeah. technique type. And I remember raising my hand and asking our new D-line coach and D-coordinator in our war room meeting saying, well, we're going to probably get Braylon Edwards or Ronnie Brown the first round. What about this guy in the second? And I know he doesn't fit our scheme, but on third and eight, we're going to be really happy he's there. He's Grady Jarrett or whatnot. And I'll never forget, and trust me, when I, I when I asked questions and brought things up, I was often wrong. But in this case, <laughs> they kind of like laughed me off the stage, like, Dude, he's only 290 pounds. He's not Will Fork. We have no use for him. Well, I was ahead of my time, to be very honest. Like, now, Belichick wants him. Everybody right. wants him. <laughs> you know, I mean, everybody it's the same way I, I can remember, um, uh, you know, one of the Steelers coaches telling me that, you know, 10 years ago, Vince Williams is, is exactly what you want an inside linebacker. He's Earl Holmes. Yeah. yeah I mean, right, That's yeah, what, right. you know, those guys, you know, he, those guys get paid. Yeah, right. He's now a you're, player, yeah, right. Now you're, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you're, you're a two-down player. Yeah, exactly. But to my point, 
3-4 versus 4-3 means very little anymore. And I don't think, you know, the Steelers proved that to us to no end this offseason with their not pursuit of a nose tackle. And, you know, it's treated the Steelers really well. Again, Gilden wouldn't have been a third-round pick. Porter wouldn't be a fifth-round pick if everybody was playing that defense. Or yeah. if they came out now, they're first, second-round pick. Well, I, I can remember looking at the Jaguars' defense when I was comparing the, the two teams when they, before they played the uh, the Steelers in the playoffs a couple years ago. That really good Jags team. That really yeah. good Jaguars team. And guys like Ngeekwe were listed as defensive ends. He's, he's no he's different two, than Bud. He's 250 pounds. Mm-hmm. Bud's uh, bigger yeah. than him. Bud is bigger than him. <laughs> right, you know, right. Exactly. Um, those, their ends... We're, we're 250 pound ends, mm-hmm. other than Calais Campbell. And Campbell's Campbell's kind of a freak, but he's not much different than Tuart or Hayward. Right, he's the same. It's the same <laughs> right, thing. Right. You know, he just happens to be six seven. Mm-hmm. You know? Right, right, right. So and he can line uh, up yeah. inside. Right. It's again, it's that positionless football thing that uh, you know. I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't. I don't know what the answer is to that for players. In terms of franchise tags, right, or, right. It's the, I mean, it's the same. Th- I don't know what the answer is for running backs. With no. the fran- you know, with with this stuff. I mean, are running backs important? Absolutely. That's a whole different conversation because things have changed since we got together last. But Henry signed a pretty good deal. Yeah. You know, they extended him since we got together last, and but it's really only like a two-year deal, and he's not McCaffrey money, but he's like top five or six money. Right. Like, I think that's a pretty good deal for team and player, considering how important he is to that offense. And where I was going with this is. Does Dalvin Cook's agent, Mixon's agent, Kamara's agent, guys that also weren't first-round picks and don't have a ton in the bank and don't have a deal, do they look at that and say, I'll sign that same deal? And if I'm the Vikes or the Saints, Bengals, I might be like, okay, you know, that maybe that's the medium, the happy medium between a running back's a position you sign or not. You know, like that deal might be something we see a lot of, and I'm hoping that – the cap issues of the future don't ruin that for backs. Cause they'll be the first ones. In on the general, contract. I would like to see more shorter contracts in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Like if you're going to give more guaranteed money, then make the contracts th- you know two or three years. I have late breaking news on my phone. Antonio Brown announces his retirement again. Wow. <laughs> yeah. He says life goes on. I guess nobody wants AB anymore. Nobody wants AB. It's it's done. I thought he was going to be in the league this year. I, I did as well, I but I, maybe he got word that, hey, you're going to be suspended. Mm-hmm. Uh, but enough about Enough about that, that guy. Right. He is Matt Williamson. I'm Dale Lally. You're listening to The Drive here on Steelers Nation Radio. We're going to take a break. When we come back, it's time for the Fantasy Football Focus. We'll All get right. right to that right after this. This is The Drive with Dale Lally and Matt Williamson on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. SNR. Steelers Nation Radio. Welcome back. I'm Dale Lally here with Matt Williamson. We're fantasy football focus here today right. on Steelers Nation Radio. And uh, today, Matt, I wanted to talk about since we were off last week. Um, these things change a lot because some people are actually having their drafts right now. Yeah, they are. Uh, Dynasty leagues, those kind of things. Mm-hmm. And I'm look, we, I want to look at things strictly from an ADP okay. point of view. Uh, it's amazing how much ADP does change over these dead times. And we've had more dead time than ever. But I think one reason it happens, too, is a lot of prominent people in the media start to have takes, and there is some group thing. Get some that. buzz around some right. guys. Yeah, that kind right. of thing. 
So I wanted to go through the ADP here. For example, okay, so number one, uh, one one is McCaffrey, Christian sure, McCaffrey. Sure. One two is Saquon Barkley. Okay. One three is Ezekiel Elliott. I would have a tough time deciding on those two. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one four is Alvin Kamara. I think he's sound there for me. I think there's a, a but there's a of, gap. There's a gap yeah, there yeah. between between three and four because right. Kamara just doesn't get the touches that those first three guys do. Agreed. Number five right now is Michael Thomas. See, no, he's not for me. I mean, you you, you kind of know what you're going to get there. Oh, he's such a bird in the it, hand. It's it's like an great. it's like a double mm-hmm. off the fence because number six right now is Dalvin Cook. Like he he's he's five. back to being he's back to being that after the little scare about him right, potentially right. holding out. I think people came to their senses and said he's not gonna he's not gonna want to get fined. I think it's forty thousand dollars a day mm-hmm. um, to to sit out of camp. That's not gonna happen. I've had some people or that I respect that have Adams over Thomas this year. I don't think I would go that far. But no, I think I think Thomas is a much safer round. pick. Yeah, I do too. Um, number as I mentioned, six is Dalvin Cook. Seven is now Derrick Henry. See, I think that's where it gets interesting. Yeah. Is who's that? See, I kind of put – in the first round, I just know I'm not going to take a wide receiver, so I, I ignore those guys. But I respect that Thomas and Adams and maybe Julio, whoever, are, are high picks and deservedly so. They're good football players. But to me, I think after Cook is who's that sixth running back is really interesting. I mean, I've heard Miles Sanders' name there. I mean, I'm not buying a that. A little rich yeah. for a guy like that. I mean, I don't know who else it could be besides Henry. I mean, I had a conversation. Well, I've got one for you, and he's further down the list here. We'll get to him when, okay. when we get there. I know you like him as well. Uh, after after uh, Henry at uh, at 1-7, 1-8 is Devontae Adams. Okay. I mean, to me, that's, him and Thomas are pretty similar. He's just not a very special player. I don't think he's going to win the league. No. I, <laughs> you know I, I mean? No. I, I mean, again, I think – while Thomas is an easy double, yeah, like with with Adams, I think you're stretching the double. Yeah, I think you know, and he does it every year, but he better catch ten to twelve touchdowns, right? For yeah, be worth that pick. Yeah, and exactly, because he's he's gonna. Risky. Yeah, it's uh, speaking again. of catching, I want to throw one Henry thing out there. We know he's not a great receiver. I bet he catches more passes this year though than in, in previous past. But they try years. to incorporate that, incorporate that because they're bit not going to be fixated on Deion Lewis at all. They just gave this guy all this money. He can catch the ball. I yeah. mean, I bet he catches fifteen more screens. Yeah, he than catches he did last two year. a game. Yeah, right, right, yeah. right. And that's a lot for a guy. Two like a game is thirty. Right, right. You know, thirty six or thirty two catches over the course of a season. And he runs over a safety and one yeah. of those a forty yarder. You know, um, number nine is Tyree Kill. See, he might win you the league, though. <laughs> I mean, I might have. There's going to be weeks where he's just going to yeah. be sick, right? Absolutely. But there's also because of the offense that he has so many other weapons in the offense. Sure, they're going to be Herman weeks. Watkins you know, are good. You know, where he has five for sixty mm-hmm. or something like that, which is okay. I was asked the other day, who's the best wide receiver in football right now? And I think Thomas is the easy answer, but it might be Hill, just in terms of who I don't want to play against. But he's better for the NFL than he is for fantasy. Yeah, I agree. Number 10 is Joe Mixon. And I wish he caught more passes, but I bet he will. I think he will. I yeah. think I think with, with the difference in changing quarterback, I think you're going to see more mm-hmm. more dump, dump downs to the to Remember the Remember how many Edwards Delaire caught it? Yeah, absolutely. Right, I, right, yeah. Right. I mean, that's yeah. a Rams foundation, too, and it's the second year with this system. He's kind of my sleeper first-round pick this year. Like I think yeah. a lot of leagues are going to overlook him. Would you take him over Henry? Like it would, it, you wouldn't take him ahead of Cook, I'm guessing. I wouldn't take him ahead of Cook, 
I think. But if he, you're taking the six running back off the board, I think Joe Mixon's a safer. I have no problem with him. Yeah, I, I, he's going to catch more. He's going to catch more passes, I mm-hmm. think, over the long haul than, than Derrick Henry. Was. I don't have to squint very hard to a year from now saying, well, the first four picks are going to be. Cook, Mixon, McCaffrey, and Kamara. Like, he could be in that conversation easily. The other thing that scares me about Henry is that workload. Oh, yeah. I mean, he had a high, heavy workload. He's a big dude. Mm-hmm. I get it. Oh, sure. But, you know, you look back historically at people, the guys who have carried touched the ball 400 times in a season. Yeah. Usually not great. Usually not great the next year. I don't know if it's good or bad, but I think it's mostly good. That last month of the season when nobody cared about the Bengals, Mixon was getting the ball like crazy. Well, that's the thing I was going to bring up. I mean, people. the Steelers played them late in the, late in the year last year. And, and actually, both times that they played them, uh, the Steelers were winning the game, in, including with the, the one game they were blowing them out. Mm-hmm. The fourth quarter, they just handed the ball to Mixon. See, I had mixed feelings about that when it was happening, too. I was A lot of people were like, well, the Bengals have given up. They just want They're to just trying to get out of the game. See, but I think part of it is... And trying to establish something. Yeah, this is... We know we're not winning the Super Bowl this year. It's like the Cardinals throwing a lot of horizontal passes because they want to get Murray, you know, his feet wet. Like, I thought the Bengals at the end of the season or at the end of games decided, well, let's be good at something going into next year. And I think Mixon's that... What that is. Yeah, I, I think so. Think uh, maybe I, I would be taking I think he's. A, I think he's a surefire top six or seven pick next year. Yeah, right. And I think I think you could draft him there. You may get ridiculed some when mm-hmm. you take him there, but I think you'll be happy with it. Yeah, I might take him over Henry. Like, if I'm sitting there at 1-7, uh, Mixon might be my guy. One uh, eleven is Julio Jones. Uh, Again. He I, might be 1-1 one, one for me. Yeah, you, can't, you can't go wrong there. You're right. Number one twelve is DeAndre Hopkins. Again, I'm prejudiced against receivers. They throw the ball an awful lot. They do. There's a bad history of of receivers going to new teams. I think that he's the different. He's a he's different than that, and he's better than most of those. But it's a little worrisome. Yeah, I don't know he'll get the targets he got in Houston. The next two picks are where it gets interesting, because right now, two one is Travis Kelsey. Okay. I like Kelsey more than Kittle for fantasy. Yeah. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah. yeah. I think Kittle's the better player, but Agreed. I think Kelsey's the better fantasy player. One team throws the ball, the other one doesn't. Two two is Patrick Mahomes. Wow. I'm surprised he's. I know some people have him and Lamar neck and neck, but I think Lamar's clearly ahead of him. Well, right they're now. not far off because sure. Nick Chubb is is two three right now. Okay. And Lamar Jackson is two four. See, I don't love that neighborhood. I don't like that either. I'm, right. I mean, I get taking one of those guys, but I wouldn't sure. do it before the third round. I would either. I'd want to have two, you know, foundational pieces there already. I mean, those two guys. I'd rather stretch on Eckler or Drake or Sanders or somebody like that than, you know, a, a turn quarterback. Ooh, that, that's rich for me. That's, yeah. I mean, uh, real, real quick note, though. I mean, every game Lamar has started, you know, remember his first half of his career, he was not a starter. Right. If you just look at the games he started, he's averaged like 82 rushing yards a game. Yeah. I bet he's below that this year. But if he gets you 60 rushing yards a game, which is three-quarters of what he averages. That's an extra touchdown a game. It's humongous. Yes, yeah. right. Um, he's not going to th- He's not gonna have the touchdown pass to the interception ratio that he had. Though, no, or the that's, touchdown frequency per pass. Yeah, that's, for sure. That's just not. Mahomes will beat him with that. Not maintainable. Too. Right. Uh Two five is Aaron Jones. Ooh, some of those guys I like. I mentioned like I'd rather Drake than Jones. Maybe not for real life, but yeah. 
Jones scored like 16 touchdowns last year. He was very touchdown dependent. And they drafted a 250-pound running back? Yeah. You know, like, is he going to score 10 again? Uh, as you mentioned, uh, Josh Jacobs is 2-6. He could be in that Mixon top five next year conversation. Right. If they incorporate him in the passing game dramatically more. I think they will in a second year. I think, I hope. you know, I, I, there may have been some questions about him as a, you know, pass blocking mm-hmm. skills, that kind of stuff. I think in year two, I think you see more of him. My take on him is a little different because at Bama, he was a part-time player, but they also had six five-star recruits at running back as they right. always do. And he came into the league as a great receiver. But there's a lot of backs through history that when a couple coaching staffs don't lean on him and just totally make him the bell cow, like Kamara, there's a reason, you know. I just, uh, and I don't know. If I just think that's the Bama way because, as you I mentioned, they too, right? they've all they always have two or three mm-hmm. studs at running back. Yeah, every year. And that's what I brushed it off as. But then the the Raiders draft Lynn Bowden. They they use Rashard as their third down back. That I wonder if they look at him and say. We need to keep him fresh. We can't give him too much. So we're going to take the passing game. I just game wonder how much of that was – because he had that shoulder issue. He played through a lot of injuries. Yeah. Year. He's yeah. unbelievably tough. That's why I said he could be a top-five pick next yeah, year. Yeah, I, I just think that because of that, I, he may have been playing through some stuff, too, that we didn't know about early on. Oh, I know he was. Yeah. I mean, there was a lot of quotes from Gruden, like, this guy should never address. Yeah. He's unbelievably competitive. So I, I just think that, you know, if he's completely healthy, I think they want to they, they want to use him. Mm-hmm. Um, because I he's, mean, but if he catches 40 or 50 balls – He's going to be an early first-round pick next year. Absolutely. It's a good line. He's a really good player. Uh, if you look but at – I'll the, take him in that neighborhood. I'll take him over Aaron Jones. Yeah. 2-7 is Miles Sanders, who you talked about Yeah, before. I've seen him go around higher. I mean, yeah. he's hot right now. Chris Godwin at 2-8. Austin Eckelar at 2-9. I don't know about you, but I'm not going to be buying in real heavy in Evans or Godwin for, like, a second-round price. Yeah. That's, I love the players. Yeah, I mean, I, Godwin basically won me my league last yeah, year. Yeah, right. He's I got awesome. Him. I mean, I got him in like the eighth round. Um, but are you going to take him as the fifth, sixth, seventh? Right now he's wide receiver four. five. Yeah, that's, right. that's that's rich. really rich. That's rich. Um, Kenyon Drake is two ten. That would take him all day at two ten. Yeah, I just think that system is very running back friendly. George Kittle is at is at two eleven. I love George Kittle the player, but should he be just nine picks behind Travis Kelsey? See, I had him last year, so I really noticed it. He had like four touchdowns brought back because of penalty and was one of the more, quote, unlucky in terms of touchdown percentage. But they're they're not going to throw the ball a lot. They don't want to throw the football. They showed you that in the playoffs last year. Right, right. If they they don't have to, they're not going to. Yeah. I I mean, if if Jimmy only throws – if they win a game – 25 to 3, and the defense smothers somebody, and Jimmy throws 24 passes. You need like 10 I think, of them to go to Kittle. I think, I think, <laughs> I think, Rapolo's touchdown number, I think I would put the ceiling at like 25. Yeah. And, and I bet Shanahan would be like, I'll take it. That Absolutely. Means I mean, well. yeah. Right, right, right. Means things are going the way we want them yeah, to go. That's the plan. So if they throw 25 touchdown passes, how many are going to go to catch half of them? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's, that's which, a lot, is, right. you know, if he's going to be at, at pick two eleven, he better catch double digit. Yeah, right. that's what you want out of that, and he's probably not going to do that. Asking a lot, right? Right. Um, Mike Evans is at two twelve. We just kind of talked about yeah. him. He's a great player. Kenny Galladay's at three one. There's some of the, there's a lot of receivers in this third through sixth neighborhood that I'm super excited about. That look like the next this year's Godwins, you know, a lot yeah. of breakout guys. And I think Galladay's as good a shot as any, and I love Stafford, but 
I don't know if I'm taking him with my third pick. You know, like yeah, I, I, my... I, I don't trust. I, like, I, if I went running back, running back, I don't want Kenny Galladay as my number one receiver. That's what I was about to say. Yeah. Like, if I had one of those top three if picks. If he's my number two, I'm okay with that. And you're, and you're thrilled, I yeah. think. Yeah, I think that's the line of demarcation, you know. Like but then I, I better have... mind it. I better make sure I get a running back in, the, in with that fourth Again, round pick who I up against I trusted. Yeah. You know, he's going to be the guy. If you got, like, a blue chip pick and you have McCaffrey – Barkley or Zeke, and then it comes back and you took Ekelar or somebody like that, and then you got Galladay as your number one to start the third round. I'm like, eh. Yeah. But I don't love him as the second rounder. No. I mean, you know. Well, let's see. Uh, but there's a lot of these receivers you're going to mention that I would put right in the same tier with Galladay. Yeah. Uh, Todd Gurley is 3-2. That's Not for way me. too rich for me. Amari Cooper at 3-3. I lean towards no. I just think those other two guys are really, really good. Leonard Fournette at 3-4. We've talked about him a lot. I mean, yeah. he's he's what what happened with him last year is what you would expect to happen with guys like a Josh Jacobs, where they start throwing mm-hmm. him the football. They threw him the football a lot last year. They did, and he's gotten better at it. And he shouldn't be that low because he touches the football a ton, and he's a goal line guy, and he was like totally robbed of touchdowns. He's going to get more. He had like two touchdowns. Last I year. wonder how much of this that. is if he were playing in another somewhere else. If he were with the Rams mm-hmm. right now instead of the, oh. if he replaced Gurley with the Rams, yeah. like he'd be a much higher pick. Which could happen by midseason. He could be gone. Yeah. Right. So you have to keep that in mind. I mean, I, I, I would, I would love to get Leonard Fournette in, in the third round. That I, I agree. I mean, he's a good football player, so can get the ball a lot. But I got to think his catch numbers were a little inflated last year. Like, I bet when we look at his career, we'll go 2019 was the year he caught the most balls. I mean, what do you have, 75 catches this year? Yeah. If he uh, catches he's 60 a, this year, he's I still. I was thinking he's like a 40, 50 guy. Okay. You know, that's still Thompson, not terrible. He'll get hurt in the second yeah. week. But, yeah. You know, I mean, if he gets all that. the goal line carries and, you know, he has, let's say, 1,100 rushing yards. Mm-hmm. Um, he should have eight touchdowns. Eight touchdowns and catches 40 passes. He's a third round draft pick. <laughs> yeah. He's a really strong running back, too. Yeah. And I don't think that offense stinks. No, I don't think it's off. I think the defense stinks. Yeah. Uh, Melvin Gordon, another guy in that same territory, 3-5. I mean, I would, I'd be happy with either one of those guys as my RB2. He's somebody I'm targeting in that neighborhood. Yeah. Like, I would have had him ahead of four or five of the backs you mentioned, certainly Gurley. I think he's a mid-second, and he's going to mid-third. I just think he's way better than Lindsey. He's better in the passing game than Lindsey. He's better in short yards than Lindsey. I trust Munch to get that line right. You know, they're going to – have a harder time stacking lines. They get a young quarterback. They're going to want to run the football. Too. Yeah, yeah, and it's a good defense. It's Fangio. Like I think he's the diamond in the rough right now. The next guy is a guy I think who's being overdrafted. That's Clyde Edwards-Hilaire at three six. I don't want him as my RB two. No, maybe in a normal season, if I saw him in the preseason and knew that he was acclimating and yeah, he's never put a Kansas City helmet on yet. I mean, what's he what's his, bad in protection at LSU? You think he gets 150 carries this year? No. I think that's like the that's like the ceiling, 150 yeah, right. carries, which and, means he needs 85 catches. Right, and that's not going to you know he's not going to happen. He's not going to have an Austin Eckler type season because there are other backs there. They're going to use other backs. Yeah, see, I think Damian Williams is not a sexy pick, but I would much rather have him for his ADP than Edwards Lair. Yeah, I might win Edwards Lair next year. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Next year, you know, if they move on from some of these other guys, sure, okay, great. That's, right. But I don't know if I, I, I – that's a lot of I mean, it's even projection. The, when, they, when they're winning by 15 in the fourth quarter, is even in the game. Right. No. I no. Think, yeah, you know. I mean, they're, boy, they're not going to grind the clock out with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Sure. And, and he's bad in protection. Uh, Adam Thielen at uh, 3-7. He's going to be a target monster. Yeah. DJ Moore at 3-8. That's my guy. 
see, I wouldn't. I, I, I was over the. I'm a dork, and I was thinking about football, of course, a lot at the beach. And I think that Panthers offense is a carbon copy of the of the Saints. Bridgewater and Breeze, we saw them do the same thing last year. He's not as good as Drew Brees. He's not a Hall of Famer. Yeah. Kamara and McCaffrey, boom. I mean, they're, he's you know, rule comes from the Saints, comes from LSU. We saw Justin Jefferson. We saw Michael Thomas with Rule just get tons of. I think DJ Moore is Michael Thomas. I mean, is he quite as good? No, but I don't think he's much different. To be very honest with you, like if you could, if I could buy Michael Thomas for ten million in free agency or DJ Moore for eight million, I'd probably take DJ Moore. Like well, I think he's gonna have a monster season. Yeah. Uh, Chris Carson at three nine. Yeah, I mean that's a going rate. Yeah. Allen Robinson at three ten. He had a quarterback. He's in that neighborhood too. Like all these receivers in this neighborhood, yeah. I think are great. I mean, he's the, he's the only game in town mm-hmm. for them. Mm-hmm. He's gonna he's gonna get 160 targets this year. Is he any different than Adam Thielen? When no. you think of it, you know, not no, really. He's got no, a better he's quarterback. Good. That's the only difference. Right. But he'll probably Thielen will even probably get more attention. Yeah. Uh, Le'Veon Bell at 311. Maybe. I mean, like this Carson. We'll get the Connor. Even starting with Gurley, you could see any of them having. Running back one seasons, but they have warts. Yeah, you know, I mean, they have worries. Cooper Cup at three twelve. I bet there's gonna be before Robert there. Woods. That, that's the this is the first yeah. time I've seen him going before Robert Woods. I'd rather have Cooper Cup than Robert Woods. Me too, and in real life. Yeah, yeah, but I bet they're close. Yeah. Well, uh, then you get your next uh, tight end finally uh, at the top of uh, you got Odell Beckham at four one, Mark Andrews at four two, mm-hmm. Zach Ertz at four three. Then we get to the Steelers back to back. James Conner at four four, Juju Smith Schuster at four five. Hmm. I love Conner in the fourth round. Absolutely. Again, yeah. if you only get eight games out of him, you're still going to get a lot of points. You're going to he's going to get twenty touches in those eight games. Yeah, you, you're you guaranteed. know that. And yeah. a good offense. Uh, then you got Calvin Ridley at four six. Love Cup Cal- versus Juju. I think they're really similar. They're used the same way. Yeah. Um, that's a tough one. That's a tough one. That's yeah. a tough one. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I had Cup last year, and I traded him away a few weeks into the season when he got off. He just got off to a monster he start. He was huge, right? Yeah. You, t- you traded him at the right time, I remember. Yeah. Because he did not tear Cause it then up. Because then, the yeah, then he, he kind of tailed off, and mm-hmm. it was absolutely the right move to make. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's a tough one. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I like Smith-Schuster's quarterback situation better. I do, too. I'd probably take Juju over. It's close. Yeah, it's very close. Yeah, it's close. Uh, then you get I don't think I'm buying Ertz as the fourth tight end either. Mm, if I'm, I'm not using a fourth-round pick on Ertz. Yeah, that's that's a little rich. Uh, Deshaun Watson at 4-7. Dak Prescott at 4-8. That's rich for both of those guys, I it think. It is. Russell Wilson then at 4-9. There's a run on quarterbacks there. Um, I think they're the clear next three. Yeah. There's two. Uh, I would wait a couple of rounds. I would wait a lot. Yeah. Right. I think uh, Watson will have a huge year. but Cortland Sutton at 4-10. Devin Singletary at 4-11, which no, is rich for my brother. A.J. Brown at 4-12 to finish off the first four I'll rounds. I'll take him ahead of Sutton or Singletary. Absolutely. And then yeah. Kyler, Kyler Murray kicks off the fifth round mm-hmm. at 5-1. Yeah. So Some of him, ha- some people have him with, like, Wilson and Dak. I, I got to. If this is the way drafts are going to go, I'm not going to have any of those quarterbacks. No, me neither. <clears throat> I mean, it's just I'll, I'll, I'd gladly see all those go in the top couple rounds. Absolutely, I'll right. I'll clean up on position players left and right. Yeah, yeah. There, there's just so many quarterbacks you can win with. Yeah, yeah. He is Matt Williamson. I'm Dale Lolly. You're listening to uh, the Drive here on Steelers Nation Radio, and that was the Fantasy Football Focus. 
You're tuned to The Drive on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. Steelers Nation Radio. Welcome back. I'm Dale Lally here with Matt Williamson and uh, Matt, uh, friend of the show, Cynthia Freeland uh, from NFL.com. Yeah, she sat the, down with us the combine. She's the NFL Network's analyst expert, a- analytics expert, I mm, should say. Okay. And she released an article today projecting the most improved player for each AFC team in 2020. Oh, wow. Okay. So That's interesting. I didn't see that. I'm yeah, sure what you said. That one just moved here. Let's look at the AFC North. Uh, she has uh, Marquise Brown as oh, for, the, for the Ravens. True. That's that's an easy one. Talking about fantasy segment, there's a real good chance he's going to be on my team. AJ Green for the Bengals. Wow, that's cheating. He's only played it? like eight games the last two years. I mean, if he improves from not playing to being average, <laughs> it's a big job. <laughs> um, I guess they're a tough team, but I mean, I, I might have picked one of their one of their linebackers or something like that. I was thinking like William Jackson. It's kind of been a little down. Uh, I mean, I guess they have some candidates. AJ Green's cheap. Jermaine so, Pratt yeah. would have been a yeah, it's not a bad yeah, one. Would have been right. good one of their one offensive linemen, even. Yeah, uh, Odell Beckham. We for think the Mixon's Browns. going to be improved, obviously too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Odell Beckham for the Browns. He, I know you get on my case for my Odell love, but the more I watched him, I don't think he was healthy at all last year. But that's your that's your that's been the, that's always, been right? the, not, the right. knock on him is that he can he stay healthy? Yeah, he just hasn't been able to do that uh, over the course. I think he, I don't think he's played a full mm-hmm. season since 2015. Uh, he's another one that's nowhere to go but up. But Baker's going to be better this year than last yeah. year. He was horrible for year. the Steelers. It's Deontay Johnson. Okay, not a surprise. Right? I mean, not he, a surprise, but I'm going to be under case a little bit because he was good last. He was good year. last year. You're it's right. not like that's he, you know, thing. I mean, she thinks he's. You know, she says Pro Football Focus credited Johnson with 18 forced missed tackles last season, last season, which tied for the most among wideouts. Wow, that's yeah. a lot, obviously. Coupled with Ben Roethlisberger's return from injury, along with Johnson's elusiveness, season of experience in the Steelers' system, his potential makes him not only a threat the defenses will have to account for, but someone you should earmark as a potential fantasy steal as well. I, I have no problem with anything that she wrote there. Uh, it just basically the point is he was good last year is he going to take a huge step forward like i would take bush as my most yeah improved. i think I, yeah you know i think mean? you could look at that you could look terrell edmonds yeah um as most yeah. improved yeah I mean, there's some guys or you could look at the you know the the right tackle position is it chooks for is it yeah. zach banner one of those guys a sleeper i was thinking about and we'll talk about it later but i think ebron's going to be a really useful player for this team i think he should be yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, looking at the AFC East, she has Devin Singletary for the Bills. I, I think Moss is going to be the I, guy. I don't agree. I, I, I thought Singletary was, was better than advertised last year. He was year. better than I expected. Yeah. I'll take Edmonds as most improved. Uh, for Miami, Mike Gesicki. I like that one. Yeah, that's a good one. They have a lot that could go up, though. Yeah, and you could pick anybody <laughs> on the right. roster. Uh, for the Patriots, Nikhil Harry. Again, nowhere to go but up. Nowhere, he didn't play last year. I don't think either one of us loved him coming out of the draft, but... We expected more from them than that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for the Jets, it's another one that's just constantly hurt. Chris Herndon. Yeah. He was suspended, too. Yeah. I like a lot of those down-the-line Gusecki, Herndon. I might have picked Sam Darnold there. I was going to. Yeah. yeah. I think Darnold's a really good player. Yeah. Like, part of me thinks or hopes that Ben retires in two years, the Jets are terrible, and they move on from Darnold, and the Steelers grab him for nothing and <laughs> turn around. You know what I mean? <laughs> Uh, going to the AFC South, she has uh, for the Houston Texans Kenny Stills. Huh. Oh, that'd be my pick. Yeah, I'd... somebody has to step up in that receiver, court, right? But 
Isn't yeah. he in trouble off the field or something? Uh, that, those charges were dropped. Okay, good. Yeah. Well, good for him. Um, for the Colts, they don't he has, have anybody jumps off the page though. For the Colts, he has Xavier Rhodes. He came, couldn't be worse than what he was last year, but he's I guess. he's not he he's, he's not an ascending player. That's no, a, I don't that's either. the problem I don't think there. So. She could pick Philip Rivers there too. <laughs> right, right. Um, I, I don't know who I would have picked for them. Yeah, I'm sitting racking my brain too. You know, who's somebody? You know, like some of their maybe the, the Paris Campbell. That's a good one. Yeah, that is a good one. Yeah. Uh, for Jacksonville, she has Gardner Minshew. Okay, but he was good last year. Yeah, I didn't want to believe for it, a sixth round pick. Good. I mean, right? Yeah. Is he going to be noticeably better next year? I don't know, but he was pretty good last year. Uh, for the Titans, she has Malcolm Butler. Okay, he kind of an up and down season. Yeah. Uh, in the AFC West, for the Broncos, she has AJ Bouye. He also had an up and down season, but I don't think he's Xavier Rhodes cooked or anything yet. Yeah. You know. Uh, for the Chiefs. Love this guy, McCole Hardman. Yeah. I mean, he's going to have to pass Sammy Watkins on the depth chart, which won't be easy. And they'll both play a lot. But I think Hardman's going to have a very good career. He had four touchdowns of 40-plus yards last year, which was tied for the most in the wow. NFL. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah. I mean, it, it Every could be, team would love he could have McCole twice Hardman. that many this year. He could. He could. Yeah. Uh, for the Raiders, it's Nick uh, Kalikowski. Okay. He's also been pretty solid. He was pretty good last year, yeah. I mean, like, with the Raiders, I'd say their linebackers, their true linebackers, back to our first segment, will be noticeably better. I'm not sure that he's going to be better than he was with the Bears last year, but yeah. I hear you. Um, but they signed him to a decent money, three years, $21 mm-hmm. million. Dollars. They expect him to be better. Yeah. Uh, and for the Chargers is Hunter Henry. Okay. He could be on this list every year. Yeah. Essentially for his throughout his career because he just can't stay healthy. I'm still a believer. I, he's I a good football player he when he's on the field. It's a problem with tight ends across the board. It is. With, it with is. the injuries. It, just, it is. There's a lot of them. It's a good they, point. they play such a, a demanding position. They get hit by big people. You get hit by big people. You get hit by a bunch of little people all mm-hmm. at the same time. It's just. It's I also a, think that body type of being a tall, angular target doesn't absorb contact like Maurice Jones drew or James no yeah, you know you're I mean, not right. bouncing off of people right. you're or you're taking a blow yeah and you're not skirting out of bounds either like wideouts right huh so that's the list, list uh, by Cynthia Freeland uh, I'm sure she'll release a list uh, later this week on the NFC okay uh, but we are going to take a break when we come back yeah, we got a little special treat here for yeah. you uh, this will be a good one uh, we'll hear from Bob Labriola Mike Persuda and Stan Saverin right Friends after this you're tuned to The Drive on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. Steelers Nation Radio. Welcome back. I'm Dale Lally here with... Matt Williamson, and uh, before we uh, get any further, I just wanted to mention that uh, today is uh, or would have been Dan Rooney's birthday. Oh, uh, the wow. Pro Football Hall of Fame uh, tweeted out something about that earlier today, and I did want to make note of that. I'm glad you did. And, uh, well, it, it kind of ties in with what we're going to talk about now or what we're going to listen to because Mike Persuda, uh, Bob Labriola, and Stan Saverin talked about their their opinions on what was the greatest Steelers Super Bowl team. Yeah, and plenty to pick from other than plenty to, yeah. <laughs> right. Unlike unlike some other franchises, yes, right. we're talking about you, Cleveland. Yeah, Cincinnati. the Lions and Texans don't have this, this feature, <laughs> right? Or um, even like the Eagles, for that matter. Like, yeah, we got one. To we pick got from one. Yeah, right. that was a good one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's my pick. Um, but uh, they did. They had a little debate about this, and I thought we'd give that a listen. Now, let's hear it. Hello, everyone in Steelers Nation. 
and welcome to our Steelers Roundtable as the panel of experts, an expert panel anyway, try to choose the best Steelers Super Bowl team. That's not going to be easy. Each one of the six has greatness written all over it, but maybe we'll get a discussion. Who knows? We might even reach a consensus. For those of you watching on Steelers Facebook and YouTube channels, you're invited to offer your comments as we go along as you watch. And again, welcome to Steelers Nation, watching on our Steelers digital and social platforms. Um, my name is Stan Sabrin. It's my pleasure to bring in our experts on our expert panel. He's been with the Steelers for a very long period of time, has covered them way back when, the dark ages, like the 70s. Bob Labriola of Steelers.com. Welcome, Bob. Good to be here, Stan. And Mike Prezuda. He is the sports director of the flagship station on the Pittsburgh Steelers radio network, WDBE FM in Pittsburgh. He's also co-host, as Bob is, on the Steelers pregame show on the Steelers network. And if you're not familiar, I co-host the Steelers postgame show with former Steelers quarterback, Charlie Batch. Gentlemen, and I use the term very loosely, this is not going to be easy. As I mentioned, each and every one of these teams had greatness. You don't get to where they were. Uh, it's hard to choose one. They're all great in their own respect, but we have to choose one, so let's get to it. We'll go alphabetically, Bob, unless you have an objection. Um, you go first. What of the six was your best Steelers team? Um, okay, uh, and I'm going to pick a team that I believe, you know, is underrated, and I use that term, you know, subjectively in terms of, because as you mentioned, Stan, all of these Super Bowl championship teams uh, have greatness uh, in them, but I'm going to pick the 1975 Steelers. Uh, they didn't win it the first time, they didn't win it the last time of the decade, uh, but the 75 Steelers, for to me, uh, are the best team, and, and I'm going to just start with, um, you know, allowing some of the statistics to make my case for me. Let's start with the Steelers defense, 1975. And let me first point out to everyone, 1975 was a 14 game season. So um, take all these statistics I'm offering uh, with that in mind, because uh, you two guys may be picking 16 game seasons uh, and the numbers are going to automatically be bigger. However, that doesn't make them necessarily more impressive uh, than what the 75 Steelers accomplished. Let's start with the defense, uh, 43 sacks in 14 games. That was one fewer uh, than the 1978 team, which is generally regarded or was regarded at least uh, by NFL films at one point as the best uh, Super Bowl team of all time. Uh, one fewer sack than the 78 team in two fewer games. 27 interceptions and 10 fumble recoveries. That's 37 takeaways, again, in 14 games. If you project that out to a 16-game season, that would be 42 takeaways uh, over a 16-game season. And allow me to remind everyone that the Steelers in 2019 led the NFL in takeaways with 38. So the 75 team would have bettered uh, that. The Steelers... Defense in 1975 allowed nine points in the first quarter all year. They allowed 23 points in the third quarter all year. They allowed 17 offensive touchdowns all year, an average of 1.2 per game. 
quarterbacks, opposing quarterbacks, if you add up all their statistics, their cumulative stats, they completed 46% of their passes, nine touchdowns, 27 interceptions, and a rating of 43. 43, that's below even Mike Tomzak, just to put that in perspective. <laughs> the Steelers' defense forced 90 punts. Mel Blunt was the defensive player of the year with 11 interceptions. The Steelers' starting defensive backs combined four, starting four defensive backs combined for 21 interceptions. And of those 43 sacks, 33 and a half were by the defensive linemen. Now let's flip it over to the offense. The 75 Steelers offense scored 373 points, which was 17 points more than the 1978 team. Again, a team largely considered to be an offensive powerhouse in two fewer games. And the defense allowed fewer points per game in 75 than the defense, excuse me, allowed in 1978. The Steelers scored 43 offensive touchdowns, 22 rushing touchdowns. They averaged 188 rushing yards per game, 4.5 yards per carry. So this was a team that just beat the snot out of opponents physically. Franco Harris was second in the NFL in rushing, 1,246 yards, 4.8 a carry, 10 rushing touchdowns. Lynn Swan starting to come into his own. 49 catches, again, not a big number, but that was the area in which they played. 15.9 per catch, 11 touchdowns. Terry Bradshaw, finally starting to come into his own a little bit, completed 57.7% of his passes over the season and for a rating of 88.2. Now, the completion percentage and the rating were both higher than what Bradshaw put together in 1978 when he was voted NFL MVP. So, again, you know, maybe they weren't getting the recognition um, that some of the, these later teams got, but the performances – you know, speak for itself. One other thing I'm going to mention here before I turn the uh, turn this over to one of you two guys, but you know, I may want to come back to it if if I believe that either one of you is mounting a decent case or a different team. The Steelers in 1975 were 12 and two. Okay, they lost to O.J. Simpson, who went crazy the second week of the season at Three River Stadium, and then they lost a meaningless regular season finale in the muck. The LA Coliseum to the Rams, 10-3. Okay, 12-2. The second-place team in the AFC Central Division that year were the Cincinnati Bengals. They were 11-3. The Steelers beat them twice. The third-place team in the AFC Central Division that year were the Houston Oilers. They finished 10-4. The Steelers beat them twice. And so when you're looking at just getting out of your division, the Steelers definitely played in the toughest division in football in 1975, and they dominated the two teams uh, that were immediately behind them. And so um, we can get into the playoffs a little bit, maybe later, but for me, this team, based on what it did both offensively and defensively, uh, is the best Steelers team, and they also went on and beat a Cowboys team in Super Bowl X that two years later would win a Super Bowl of their own. Mike, you, uh, if you agree, fine. If you don't, um, you're wrong. Let's, yeah, let's, let's begin picking holes in the argument. Um, it, it, it's a, a great argument. There's, there's no arguing. There's no right and wrong here. But, Mike, I'll, I mean, you, you have an issue. Um, and before you get to your choice. Uh, you know, I'd prefer to just uh, 
expand on my choice. It was a nice effort by Labs, uh, as usual. Not good enough, as usual. But he's, he's wrong, <laughs> as usual. But uh, a, a well-stated argument. You know, he did his homework. He, uh, he crushed the numbers. I'm, I'm impressed by that. But here's how I had to do this, or how I tried to do it. And, and first, let me say, Stan, when you introduced us, and when you said uh, the term experts, I had to look over my shoulder to see if somebody came in. And then when you said gentlemen, I had to do it again. But uh, here we are. I tried to look at these teams and think, all right, if if you could take a team from the 70s and play a team from the 2000s, if everybody was in their prime, who would win? And uh, that, among other things, led me to come up with the Super Bowl 40 champions, the 2005 Pittsburgh Steelers, who were kind of underrated, as Lab's team was. A uh, little more reason to underrate the 05 team because it was 7-5 and five at one point and left for dead. But it flipped a switch and was unbeatable thereafter. And I look at what these guys did. Let's look at who, who they had, first of all. Uh, ben Roethlisberger, quarterback. Uh, better than Terry Bradshaw, in my humble opinion. And, and I think significantly so. No offense to Bradshaw, but I think Roethlisberger is the best quarterback in franchise history. And what he did in that postseason particularly the first three games. You know, they had the four-game winning streak to get in, and then they go into Cincinnati and win. They go into Indianapolis and win. And they go into Denver and win. And Ben Roethlisberger threw for 680 yards in those three games with seven touchdowns and one interception. He really came into his own right when they needed him to. Uh, and then uh, they finished it off against Seattle. Roethlisberger didn't have a good game, but everybody else did. And just looking at this team, how complete it was, you had the, a guy who I believe should be in the Hall of Fame, Al, Alan Fanica, anchoring the offensive line. And Jeff Harding's not a Hall of Fame center, but a very good one. You had Heinz Ward at wide receiver. Maybe not quite the equivalent of Swan or Stallworth, but a very, very good player. And a guy who played the game differently than those two did. And a guy who brought presence and, and, uh, and it's a physical style to the position which I think uh, helped categorize this team. Heath Miller at tight end. Then flip it over to the defense. Aaron Smith and Casey Hampton at the height of their powers. James Ferrier at the height of his powers. Troy Polamalu at the height of his powers. Ike Taylor on one corner, Deshae Townsend on the other. Uh, this team could beat you a number of ways. And uh, you, you saw how it won games. Uh, it, it won games with Jerome Bettis running over Brian Urlacher at the goal line. It won games with Ben Roethlisberger making a shoestring tackle after a Bettis fumble at the goal line. It won games with Antoine Randall throwing a touchdown pass, and it uh, won games with Roethlisberger running for a touchdown. The reserves on my team, the reserves include Bettis, James Harrison, and Brett Kiesel. This was a pretty tough lineup to crack. And uh, in December of that year, after that debacle against Cincinnati, Bill Coward got the shoulder pads out for practice. They bashed heads till they got it right. I want to know who was going to be able to beat these guys from that point on, because I didn't see anybody do it. All right. Uh, well stated. However, however, there's always a however. There's always, always a, a but. Always a but. Uh, I love the magic of that 05 team. You're right. There was something magical about them. There was something special. The four-game run and the thing about them in the playoffs was there's actually Ben's passing game that got him there because everybody stacked against the run, anticipating I mean, that Denver game. He came out throwing. It shocked him, and they had the game won by halftime. And I, I, I appreciate the magic. However, I think that the – and this is not my choice. 
I think that the 08 team was better than the 05 team. Ben was fully into his own, still coming into his own to a degree in 05. I think the defense, and I don't have the numbers, but I think that the defense, I don't say that the 08 defense came close to the steel curtains, about like 75, 74, but they were awfully good. That 08 defense was fantastic. I think overall they were a better team. Uh, the 75 team, I think, had the best defense of any of the six of them overall. I don't dispute that. But Labs, a couple of times in discussing the 75 team, you use the term at least twice. They were coming into their own. Swan coming into his own. Bradshaw beginning to come into his own. In 1978, they were in the zone. They were as good as they had ever been. And I, I appreciate the stats, but the game changed significantly. I would suggest that some of Bradshaw's numbers in 78 versus 75, the, even though they threw long passes in the Super Bowl against the Cowboys in Super Bowl 10, he let it rip. Once they changed the rules, Noel took the shackles off and it was bombs away. Uh, it was, uh, you know, and he loved that. Hell bent for election. And I think that they opened up wide. The defense, not as good as 75, and certainly in 79, we began to see some decline in the defense. You could see that it was coming, but there wasn't anywhere near as much evidence in 78. Uh, I think I've always felt that the 78 Steelers were the best of any team they've ever fielded. They could still run the ball. They still had Franco and Rocky. They still had the same offensive line, basically, that they'd had. Bradshaw was the best that he had ever been. Uh, and let's not forget, you not only had Swan and Stallworth, you also had Jimmy Smith out of Michigan. Sorry, Mike, um, who was a heck of a receiver, a great receiver. Again, the defense had not yet started, um, I don't think, in much of a decline. And, and honestly, they were more dominant in the playoffs. They were great in the playoffs in, in 05. Don't get me wrong. But in 08, they, they excuse me, in, in uh, 78, they just murdered people. And I thought the Cowboy team in 78 was a better team than the one that they beat in 75. I mean, that's, you know, splitting hairs. But I just felt that all the way around, that offense was as good as it had ever been in terms of passing uh, and running the combination of the both. Most of the players were still the same. I don't think the defense was equal to 75, but it had not slipped much. So on that basis, um, I, I think that the, um, the, the, the uh, Steelers of, of 1978, um, that's the best Steeler team that I've seen. Okay, Stan, you brought up uh, the 78 team's performance in the playoffs. Let me counter that by now talking about what the 75 team did in the playoffs. And I believe you know, as you mentioned, maybe the Cowboys that the Steelers beat in Super Bowl 13 were better than the Cowboys the Steelers beat in Super Bowl 10. But the Oakland Raiders that the Steelers beat uh, in the AFC championship game in 1975 were far superior to the Houston Oilers, uh, the, the, the team that the Steelers beat in the AFC championship game uh, in 1978. And while the 78 Steelers did knock out the defending Super Bowl champion Denver Broncos. In 75, the Steelers' first round playoff game was against the Baltimore Colts, 
who uh, came into the came into that uh, divisional round playoff game against the Steelers with the highest scoring offense in the NFL that season. And again, uh, you know, the the defense to me, uh, it was it was so good. I mean, Mike was talking about you know some of the players on 05 Hall of Famers. Well, there were nine on that 75 team. Uh, you know, there, there's not nine Hall of Fame guys uh, on that 05 team or the 018. But in that game against the Baltimore Colts, the Steelers held, again, the highest scoring offense in the NFL, 10 points, 154 total yards, five sacks and three takeaways. Uh, again, when you're dominating uh, the, the best teams in the league, the way the 75 Steelers team dominated the best teams in the league, the Bengals, again, they're a joke, but not in 75, they weren't. The Oilers, the Raiders, the Colts. Maybe Dallas wasn't what it was a few years later, uh, but I think that the path that the Steelers had to get to Super Bowl X in terms of the quality of the opposition was more than the quality of the opposition in 1978. I think that's fair, but I'm only suggesting that in terms of evaluating an entire team, there was an imbalance, and, the, and not there's anything wrong, you win how you can possibly win, but my point is that the imbalance in 75 was that they were so defensive-centric um, that they made up for whatever lack they may have had in terms of offense. The running game was still great, but the offense had not progressed. In terms of balance, that 78 was the old story, if the right hand don't get you, the left one will. Well, yeah, and that being said, that being said, Stan, uh, it took Jackie Smith being the sickest man in America to help get that team <laughs> over the top. So they got a little lucky. Lab, I, I appreciate that the Raiders were good and all that, but come on, 05 going into Peyton Manning's house in Indianapolis. Peyton Manning, I, who could beat Peyton Manning at home? I mean, that it doesn't get any tougher than that. Uh, and then, uh, okay, the guy, guy I didn't even mention, Willie <laughs> Parker. Uh, longest touchdown run in Super Bowl history, still right in the blink of an eye. That's how the that's how those 05 guys could get you. You know, again, do, I, uh, do you really, do you believe that the 05 team was better than the 08 team? I think at the end, oh yeah, I, I do. Uh, I think at the end of the year, again, I'm looking at it the last eight games. I'm not taking the whole season into account because that was a 15 and one team the year before that really had some issues for a long time, but. I think that's part of the uh, mystique, if you will, that they, they work through those. And I also have a soft spot in my heart for that team because all those teams in the 70s were great in their own way, but they were all kind of the same team. It was before free agency. And I think a part of me always wondered, all right, did they catch lightning in the bottle with Chuck Knoll and that 74 draft and that great roster that they had for so long? Could that ever happen again? It took till 95 to get back. It took till 2005 to actually win one again, uh, proving that it's uh, maybe the franchise and not just a particular team. No, I, that's true. It wouldn't have happened if there had been a salary cap and it had been, uh, you know, what the things that we see now and free agency. But that's not the debate. That's not the discussion. Let, let me go back to want to get detailed on me, Stan. Come on. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I took <laughs> you to be a gentleman. I thought you were a gentleman. Stan, I'm making an argument here. You're going to throw facts at me? Come on, what is this? Sorry. Yeah, don't let facts get in the way of the law. Story. Let me address the point, Stan, that you made. Up. You know, the Steelers won in 75, you know, by running the ball and playing defense. Um, you know, Chuck Noll was the coach, 
And just as he took advantage of the rule change in 77 and turned Bradshaw loose with those Hall of Fame receivers, um, he did in 1975 what they needed to do to win. I mean, if you're averaging 188 yards rushing a game and giving up nine points in the first quarter of four, in a total of 14 pre, uh, regular season games, why would you do anything else but that? I mean, that's the way Noel, Noel coached the game to win as, as opposed to looking for some, you know, aesthetic level of, uh, you know, beauty that, uh, you know, 30 years down the road, you could talk about it and say, boy, look how pretty this team was in the way it played. I mean, that's not, that's not Chuck Noel. It wasn't the way he was at any point in his coaching career, even when, uh, you know, he turned the offense loose a little bit. So, you know, I don't think that, um, you know, Terry Bradshaw, in, in some of those um, uh, postseason games, you know, in two degree temperatures, uh, you know, against uh, the Oakland Raiders in that AFC championship game, he completed 60% of his passes uh, in the game against Dallas in the Super Bowl. He didn't turn the ball over. Uh, you talk about the seven, Bradshaw in 78, he threw 20 interceptions. He threw, I believe more touchdowns and interceptions in the playoffs in 1978. So, uh, yeah, his numbers were better, but they were all of his numbers were higher. And I don't necessarily believe that, you know, if you, you throw 28 touchdown passes and 20 interceptions, is that necessarily better than 18 touchdown passes with only nine interceptions? Um, you know, I, I don't know. Let me address one other thing. I believe that the 05 Steelers were better than the 08 Steelers, uh, even though, Stan, uh, just to support your argument about the 08 uh, Steelers 08 defense, it was historically great in this sense. Um, it went 12 games, the first 12 games of the regular season without allowing an opponent as many as 300 yards of total offense to tie a record set by the Minnesota Vikings, I believe it was in 74 or 75. So that 2008 Steelers defense was historically great. However, their offense was awful. It was awful. I mean, you look at Super Bowl 43 and everybody remembers Ben uh, taking the Steelers down on that great drive at the end and making a beautiful throw. San Antonio Holmes making a great catch. I believe the Steelers were one for three in goal to go situations in that game you know, score a couple of touchdowns early on some of those first and goal situations they had. And Ben doesn't need to do what he had to do uh, at the end. That touchdown pass to Larry Fitzgerald doesn't threaten to uh, make you the Super Bowl losers if, you know, the offense had taken care of its business uh, earlier in the game. So, you know, again, we're, we're, we're splitting hairs here, you know, picking the greatest of the greats. Um, and, and so I don't want this to come off as the wrong way come off the wrong way. Um, you know, when we're comparing 05 to 08, um, I like the 05 team better. I thought it was more efficient on offense. Uh, I like the 08 team better in the sense of its defense um, was, you know, was spectacular, uh, except when Kurt Warner and those Arizona Cardinals came up with a, a way to get the ball out of his hand quickly uh, and take advantage of Steelers cornerbacks that, you know, weren't as good maybe as the rest of that defense. But that's why I'm going with 75. Uh, you didn't have that problem um, uh, from the Steelers' standpoint. You're looking at that defense. You couldn't run the ball on them. 
They sacked the snot out of you. And if you did get the ball off, Mel Blunt probably ended up with it as often as your receivers did. <laughs> so, um, you know, uh, again, to me, they were the most dominating unit. And they scored more points in a 14-game regular season in 1975 than the 1978 Steelers scored in 16 games. With a lot of help in the defense. I'm not deba- and I'm not criticizing Chuck Knoll. He, he had the talent. He knew what the rules were. He employed that to win. I would just suggest, but let's not forget the Steelers, because you cited that the 75 team was 12 and 2. The 78 Steelers were 14 and 2. The only two games they lost was a meaningless Sunday night game in LA at the Coliseum to the ramp, and the Steelers didn't need the game. They had everything wrapped up. And the other game they lost was a Monday night game at the Houston, and they were 7 and 0 coming into that game. Um, I mean, I. Again, you're right. We're splitting hairs. Uh, nobody's changing their mind. But let me just cha- let's let's just finish this up by saying, okay, let's stick with what we got. What was the second best Steeler team? Maybe it's a team we haven't even mentioned yet. I would probably. I I actually did think Labriola made some compelling arguments, but uh, I would probably. It's time your- to go. I would probably go with your team second stand, the 78 bunch, because uh, I'm with you. I thought the, the one that beat the Rams was kind of hanging on, relatively speaking. I mean, it was a Super Bowl championship team, but you could you could see the era coming to an end there. Uh, and Labs, uh, your team was definitely better than the 74 team, the one that uh, broke through and, and won the first one. Uh, you know, we are it, – it's it, it's very close, I think, either way. I'd love for somebody uh, that's uh, – good at video games to figure out a way to, to play these things, uh, play them out and uh, see they what did. happen. Did the NFL a number of years ago, computerized, put all the information in and they, they had them play off and the 78 Steelers were considered the greatest team in Super Bowl history. Right. And then Don Shula and the Dolphins cried so much for so many years that when they did it again this year, the 72 Dolphins, who beat nobody, um, became the greatest team because they were undefeated. So, um, you know, I, I, I'm going to I'm going to stick with uh, the 75 team, the, the, the two behind it, uh, the 75 team for me would be and I don't know which order I would put them in. Oh, uh, five in 1974, because, you know, regardless of um, how that 1974 team maybe was definitely one-dimensional on offense and and really uh, not very explosive or, you know, dangerous on offense, um, if you have a team don't score, you can't lose. I mean, that's two to that, – that Super Bowl nine could have ended two to nothing. It definitely could have ended two to nothing. And, you know, I don't know that that's not – that to me is as dominating uh, in terms of what you do to an opponent as 35-31 in Super Bowl thirteen, you know, or um, some of the other scores. Guys, it was real a lot of fun. Bob Lariola of Steelers.com and a member of the Steelers Radio Network pregame show. Mike Prezuta, the sports director at our flagship station, WDVE, and also a member of the Steelers pregame show. I'm Stan Saverin. Again, for those of you uh, who have watched this on Facebook and Google, you're welcome to offer your comments and your thoughts on the best team. So on behalf of Bob and Mike and the entire Pittsburgh Steelers organization, I'm Stan Saverin. 
Thanks, Steelers Nation. That was Bob Labriola, Mike Brasuda, and Stan Saverin talking about the greatest Steelers Super Bowl team ever. I think everybody agrees that the 70, was it 76 Steelers were, yeah. were the, the best team, but they didn't win the Super Bowl. They didn't Bowl. win the Super Bowl, which is crazy. Injuries happen. Well, not to, those three have been around the block. They've seen a, a Super Bowl team or two, so yeah. I defer to them. They're yeah, pretty strong it's, group. It's good stuff, and uh, it's good to hear from uh, those three guys. Good to see him. I'm looking at, looking, looking at the video. I haven't seen Bob, uh, Bob's smiling face in quite some time. We see Stan around here. We did some shows with Mike during the uh, True. during the, the whole yeah, process. We saw a lot of the, Zoom and Mike. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, good to hear from them. Good stuff, And uh, it's good to hear from you again. Yeah, so we'll be back, be back on Wednesday, right? We're three days this week. Absolutely. Right. And so uh, – um, for my partner, Matt Williamson, for Jacob here on site, keeping us on the air, we hope you enjoyed listening to this edition of The Drive on Steelers Nation Radio.